Welcome to GarageCast. This is a first, dude, and I'm kind of I'm kind of pumped on this. We are live on the AIM Expo floor. Tony Gonzalez and Sam Dantzler. We're going to do our best to get new thinking out there. There's going to be discussions centered around growth and new thinking. That's where those great ideas come from, exploring them together. Nuggets that you can go back and put into your dealership that'll help you make more money. This is GarageCast. Coming off stage with their very own Jim Woodruff, Tony. And Mike Murray. These are two of our regulars that we do quarterly with you guys. So we're super pumped to actually be doing this in person. It's the first time we've done this. So here's the theme, guys. We're freeforming this. We have people like all over the place here. We have horns going off. We have lifts going up and down around us. The show <laughs> is full of action. So we're simply going to ask you guys a couple of questions. Mike, I'm going to start with you. 2024. Sam and Jim just got off of uh, stage and they did a bunch of metrics off of the MIC data, which everybody is going to hear this before that. But what do you see going into 2024 that excites you? What's going on? What's happening with the industry? Biggest thing that excites me is that dealers know that they need to do better this year. They know, I think they, I think dealers have come to terms with the fact that the COVID bump is over, that they've been able to acknowledge the challenge that exists today. You know, the reality of the um, maybe overpriced product from COVID and the fact that that's a problem on trade-ins and, you know, they're, they're managing around that. They're coming to terms with managing new and pre-owned inventory levels and still seeing the opportunity in pre-owned and realizing that that pre-owned needs to be that additional product line in their store so that they can protect their product mix, margin, and the supply and demand curve on demand, which you can only do with pre-owned. I like it. Jim, on the stage, you were talking about uh, pre-owned. We were looking historically at how many pre-owned to new, the ratios, right? And then you look at this year, the number of registered vehicles. I had mentioned that we're, we were on trend in November to do about one one and a half million in pre-owned and about 660,000 in new. So where does that ratio play out? Where do you see 2024 with inventory now being in showrooms? Do you have a ratio pinpointed or is it just strategically uh, make the inventory what it needs to be relative to your market and what you sell? Yeah, good, good question, Sam. It's hard to pinpoint an exact number, but generally, directionally, what we saw in 2023 was more of a shift towards new. So the ratio actually shifted in favor of new. And I think there's a couple factors for that. One is that new inventory was finally available, right? So the manufacturers were able to provide it to the dealers that needed it. But also dealers, uh, not all, but you know, dealers started to feel the pain of flooring costs, et cetera, which impact the new side the most. And I think those are the first things that they would turn given the opportunity. So I think in 24, we'll see more of a return to normal. So it'll be shifting. My guess would be it'll shift more back towards uh, a little bit higher used to new ratio than what we saw in 2023, not only for the industry as a whole, but particularly in the dealerships. On a follow-up to that one, if dealers are sitting heavy on inventory, which many of them are on new inventory, if we see a shift back to new, does that just put them in dire straits to take any damn deal they can get? On the new on the new stuff, compared to COVID, yes. Compared <laughs> to normal times, not really. I think that what we're going to see is going to feel really weird, and it's going to be 
you know, one of those things where people are like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, what, what happened? Well, we all lived through this and Dieter's lived through it for many years before COVID happened. So I think it's just going to be returning to good business practices and, and turning your inventory, whether it's new or used, like you used to do. We talk about good business practices. Mike, you talked about dealers know now that they need to get better, right? If you could exemplify some of the things, I mean, I know in my head, Sam has in his head, but what are some of the things that you think they, they need to get better at? The easy one that comes to mind is getting their heads around every single trade. We still have a, a situation. I recently met with a group of dealers and the, uh, you know, the, the store owners and general managers are like, oh, yeah, we take every trade. We take every trade. I said, so you're 100 percent sure that your sales guy that started two months ago hasn't turned away a uh, 100,000 mile gold wing, you know, and you don't sell gold wings and you're sure he tried to put a number on that trade. And he said, no, no, I'm not sure. I go, well, that is I mean, there, there's your first place. Do your customers know you can take in every trade? Are you willing to pull units off of Craigslist or Marketplace or OfferUp or whatever? Because those VIN numbers should be coming through your store, whether they take in on trade to go straight wholesale, whether they take in trade to go recon and retail. Last time I checked, this industry makes money on VIN numbers. And when you're not touching VIN numbers that you could be touching, that's money mm -hmm. that is not happening in your dealership. And, you know, I've seen guys justified away. Oh, well, what would we do with that? They probably want too much money. Well, if you're not asking, you'll never know. And the most successful guys I'm seeing are taking in a $500 1982 Goldwing and finding out, hey, that thing still brings $1,200 at NPA. We helped the customer. He's happy. And we made some money for a little bit of extra work. No big deal. Or some of them are finding it even better. You know, they're, they're making two and three grand off some of these bikes they're taking in on wholesale that is not something they'd want to retail. But because they're willing to look at the deal, work the trade, create a value that makes sense and, and show the customer value and why they're giving what, a, what they're giving them on the trade, they're getting those deals. And rather than just making, you know, 16, 18 points on the retail deal, they're making another 10, 15, 20 points on the wholesale deal. And then if that goes retail, they could be making another 30 or 40 on that. That is so spot on. And another thing that I, I want you to speak on is one of the one of the big things that I'm, I'm nervous about when it comes to dealers is I'm afraid that dealers are going to start listening to the customer as the expert, meaning, <laughs> hey, man, you know, I just bought this thing for $45,000 a year ago, and now you're telling me it's $23,000, or they're not even gonna see the 23. The dealership is gonna overvalue the trade at, you know, 32, let's say, yep. and now you're yep. upside down just because you have to sell the new. So can you speak to that, any, any of the psychology behind that or what you're seeing out there? Yes, big thing that we talk about when we do our little education series is the trade-in process. I have come to say, you know, tell dealers, if you're doing a post-it node training evaluation, meaning a sales manager is taking his Sharpie and writing down $4,600 on a post-it note and saying, hey, see if he'll take $4,600 for his bike. Yeah. That guy, that customer has zero faith in that post-it note. Spend 20 or 30 minutes, do a substantial trade-in appraisal, look at all of the values, NPA value guide, NADA, uh, auto cycle trader, you know, any of the trade, whatever it is that you can find, you know, those comps, do your homework. That way, when you present the customer a number, you can say, look, we've looked at your tires. We've looked at your service history. We've looked at your brakes. We've looked at all this stuff. The reason we're offering this much money is because of these factors. Build value into that process yeah. and you'll get more of those deals done. That compared to showing up going, hey, man, my, my manager said I could do 4,600 bucks. Can we do a deal? night and day difference. So yeah. that is the biggest thing I see is that just dealers not willing to invest in that extra little opportunity to create the correct value in the trade. And honestly, the better job they do with that, the better they're going to buy that bike. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's we see people that don't do that and they do just a post-it note and we've actually you know tony you could probably attest this there's probably one in every 20 club of somebody that hires a sales manager who's really good at over allowing on trades on a post-it note just to move the new one and then they go look for a new job every two to three years <laughs> and then the dealership is just hammered with pre-owned that they're that they never got acv and they can't get out of when i meet those guys in the store i always tell my guys to give them two business cards here's one for you and then tape the one in the drawer for the next guy <laughs> nice that's awesome hey jim I got something just hit me as we were sitting here talking um, when we we're talking about uh, valuations and you brought up Mike, you brought up the Honda Goldwing and maybe I could still get twelve hundred bucks for that. Iconicmotorbikes.com. Uh, you know, I, I go on there because I'm, I'm of that generation. But more importantly than those bikes, which, you know, they have a cult like following, it's just all pre-owns. We, we're paying so much for all the pre-owns that are out there. And I just wonder if some of the older ones that maybe aren't the, you know, 1991 ZX7R with the air intakes that are going for 20 grand and all that kind of stuff. If, if we're just going back to our old ways that said, well, that book says it's only worth X amount of money, but we, we're still getting higher values on those. So are you seeing people bringing bikes to auction that you're like, why didn't they just turn this on the showroom floor? Because you probably could have gotten a lot more for it. Or am I making that up? Traditionally, on the dealer side, we tend to see the older stuff, right? It's stuff that they're less likely to retail. But we do see newer things. And I would say, you know, Mike, I don't know if you agree with this, but uh, in Q4, calendar Q4, we did see the age of vehicles coming from dealers uh, improve. They became newer because they were beginning to liquidate some of the things that we were just talking about, stuff that they'd taken in, they didn't need it, they were buried in it, year end's coming, I need to clean my books up, whatever the reasons are. So I think we saw a little bit of an uptick. Uh, a lot of it is a function of what they take in on trade combined with their business practices. During COVID, dealers almost could sell anything. So even if it was rough, you know, let's let's take it in and clean it up a little bit. Consumer's going to buy it. Uh, that's not happening right now. So, yep. you know, those are vehicles that are probably more likely to come to auction. So I, I, I would say it probably hasn't changed a whole lot, but we did see a recent uh, a decrease in the average age from dealers. So what I kind of got from that is, you know, there's some niche stuff that'll show up that brings too much money, quote unquote, yeah. that some guys want because it may not be a retail piece sometimes, right? When that ZX7R shows up that someone just didn't want, like, oh man, that thing just brings, you know, all the money, quote unquote, compared to, you know, a 2005, uh, you know, R6 or just something that's very, you know, normal in there. So we see a little bit of all of it every now and then, you know, we'll have some guys bring in some 60s and 70s Harley stuff that they've either had on the floor or they took it in trade. And they're like, yeah, I just don't know what to do with this. So we get a little bit of that stuff, but it's that mainstream stuff, the stuff that still is, you know, falls under financing parameters and things like that is the majority of what comes through the auction. And then there's some interesting stuff that comes in from time to time. Well, you know, I think a related point and we talked about this before, but I think it's good to bring up. Mike brought up having a sheet, right? To me, that means have a process, make it consistent, something that builds confidence in the consumer. When it gets to the valuation point, I think it's important to not use your gut instinct it may be right, it may be wrong, but it's not going to be consistent. I know that for sure. Use data and we've talked about this value forward. Yes. Don't yep. say when you listen to consumer, you look at a book, don't say I'm going to take this because today it's worth X. Take it in and say because it's worth Y 90 days from now, whatever your turn time is. Regardless of whether you put it on the floor for retail or whether you intend to wholesale it, you can probably actually allow a little bit more if you're going to wholesale it right away because you're going to turn that bike probably in 30 days. If you're going to retail it, you might sit on it for a little bit. You better be in that bike right, and that means being in it uh, as of the value when you're going to need to turn it, not today. Well, and I like that. We, we really 
breach the value forward since you guys were on and you brought it up that one time. I, I sit here and you talk about using data and what it does on the consumer side. It's just credibility that you guys are actually using data, that you're actually giving it some serious consideration on what the true value is, as opposed to just, you know, and, and maybe all the data went into the guy putting the pencil, but if he's just scratching the pencil and not walking the consumer through it, they don't know that. And you're, you're losing credibility with that customer yep. moving forward. So I think both sides win when you actually take the time and slow down. Yeah, we were, uh, I was at a Harley meeting a couple weeks back and a really profound thing that I heard in that meeting was no on your uh, trade eval when you're going to sell it for a lot of money. Know when you're bringing it in to get the new unit to go. And also know when you're bringing it in to send it right to the auction. Because what you're doing is you're trying to make the customer feel good about, yeah, I'll give you some, I'll give you a little bit of scratch for this. And you're going to take that new thing. And then I'm just going to take this thing tomorrow and it's gone. Uh, I think you're 100% correct on on the dealers need to know what they're doing as far as the training goes, which to me, I want to ask either one of you is give me a couple more finer tips of this training, because I don't think a lot of people in the industry understand that you're out there training the dealers on intaking pre-owned vehicles. And I'd love for the industry to know about it. So we've got one coming up in Lakeland, Florida uh, in February, and we'll probably schedule some more throughout the rest of the year. What we try to do is we do about a, a four hour kind of lunch and learn deal at the auctions. And our goal is to provide uh, industry data. Where's the market today? Where was it? What are we looking at? We do our own little five-year analysis uh, of where we're at and then a little bit of a prediction for the next, you know, three, four, five, six months to what we see on the wholesale market. Uh, and then we spend a bunch of time talking about just that inventory valuations, how to use the NPA Value Guide, NPA Value Guide Pro. We'll actually do some demonstrations. We'll pull a couple of bikes over and let the group go put their own numbers on some bikes we have. So they can do their own education, right? And I'll break them into groups and go, okay, this group works on this Harley. This group works on this, you know, R6 or whatever. And then they switch the groups and then we compare notes. Hey, why did you come up with 11.5 on this Harley? What did you look at? What do you think? Like that. And we'll, you know, the groups are usually anywhere from, you know, three to seven people. And in that group, sometimes there's a $500 spread within the individual group. And sometimes there's a $1,500 spread. Mm. And, and it's awesome because it always generates a conversation of how, why, what did you do? Well, I mean, those bikes are red hot for me right now. Well, would you retail that bike? Well, actually, no, I'd probably wholesale it because this, this, and this. Well, then why did you come up with that number? <laughs> or, or vice versa. Hey, I would have only given, you know, six grand for that bike that you're saying is worth 11. Well, if, you, if that was coming in on trade, you would have lost a deal. So you need to know where you could stretch to to get that deal together. So that's all the education finer points. We put together a trade and evaluation sheet that we hand out as well. And it has just that you said earlier. Hey, uh, this is, you know, what to do with this bike. Take it in. But then what are you going to do with that bike? Not just take it in, have a nice day. But what is your plan? And that's a huge part of it. I know where you can find a captive audience where you could help give that class. Uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, these things called management training academies oh, would be a great place for you to come and spread your word to general managers and sales managers. Yeah. That's uh I like that. Do I have to give these guys one or two cards? Will they hang on to? <laughs> uh, probably two. Probably still with two. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I like that. Is that you said you leave them with the trade evaluation sheet? You give them the training and leave them with the sheet. Do you leave them with a little? You guys have a little pamphlet or a manual or something that you leave with your. That'd be pretty we, cool we, if you we had. We haven't that. gone that far right now. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a very I don't know, fluid. I don't know what the right word is, but we you know we do this. You know, kind of, I don't, impromptu is not the right word, but when we do this training, I mean, more it's, we try to give little tidbits, right? We, yeah. we're an auction company who can educate a little bit. Um, it's a lot of fun to do it. It's a lot of fun to see dealers come back to us and you're like, man, I really hadn't thought about that. I really appreciate that. You know, we try to share best practices I've picked up, you know, from visiting dealers, from doing these things with you guys. 
yeah. things we've picked up in the industry. Jim has a ton of information that we share in those presentations as well. So it's kind of this big conglomeration. We don't have a manual that goes with it yet, but uh, but we've got a great sheet that uh, if anybody ever wants, they can they can ask any of their NPA reps, and we have them on hand. It sounds like you and I need to go to this thing and steal all that material. I'm in. We can we can <laughs> put, either put a GC steal logo it. on it. Be it done. is. It, it sounds like a GC product already. Or, or again, just cut the cut the workload and have them come in and, and do it for us. But yeah, uh, anything new and exciting that you want to talk about, Jim? Before we uh, wrap up here with you guys. Well, you know, looking forward to 2024. Uh, we're done with COVID, which is awesome. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think it's as I look into the crystal ball, I see a bright future once we get through this year. So, you know, Mike, I'm trying to think of anything new and exciting we got going on at MPA, but uh, we do have, you know, our still fairly new facility in Lakeland that we opened up. Uh, we've got nine locations around the country now doing auctions almost every day of the week, which is tremendous live auctions. And of course, we have our e-sale platform running 24 hours a day. Uh, Etc. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff we're doing in the RV marine market. We doubled our volume in that space last year. We're going to do it again this year. Wow. Got a great team. We've added some more staff. So, uh, uh, you know, it's just we've got a lot of things going on. And, and at the end of the day, our mission is to help our dealers, help our customers, uh, as well as the finance institutions and OEMs and others that we work with on the sell side to have a liquid market that they can move their product in. And uh, whether it's education that Mike does or providing great tools, et cetera, uh, we're going to keep doing it and we're going to be the best at it. Love it. Well, we are supremely thankful for the partnership of, of doing this quarterly. I know our dealers have commented that this is fantastic and they, they want to keep this up. So thank you guys for uh, spending some time with us. I know you're very busy. Yeah, Jim, go. I, I do have one other thing. Yeah, let's go. And uh, I don't know if you all remember, and, uh, you know, too bad that we're audio only, but um, Mike might remember exactly what the email said. But there was something about participating today. Yep. But it was going to cost us 100 bucks. <laughs> yes. You remember that? I think so. Yeah. And I said no. And <laughs> I didn't explain why. And in my head, I was thinking, well, it's beyond our budget. We can't afford that. <laughs> but Mike beat me to it. And he said, oh, Jim was going to bring you a new motorcycle instead. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you, you remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Now, is this Christmas morning? You're going to excite well, us. You're I, gonna... I got to tell you that even though I didn't agree, I am a man of my almost word that you put me into. Oh, boy. We turn on the geez. table, gang. Yes. Oh, you. We got some players. Brand new motorcycles Sam right here. the Kawasaki like yeah, a four-year-old kid uh, on Christmas. A uh, feel free to tread amongst scale. yourselves here. Yeah, 18th scale. Yamaha uh, and Kawasaki you know, They're, they're, the they're the highest quality. And, of course, if for some reason you guys you know, find that you don't need them anymore. We can sell them to the auction for and you, yeah, and yeah. we can't turn yeah, them in. That's fantastic. You can consign <laughs> these. You know, whatever you need to, uh, to if you need to turn this product of uh, it ages on it. your floor. Brand new it. Yamaha, brand new Kawasaki that would fit on our desk. Uh, you think I'm giving that up, Jim? You're crazy. That's going to sit right on the mantle at home. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for seeing us. Thank you, Woodruff and Mike Murray. I'm Tony Gonzalez. This has been Garage Cast. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.